You are listening to the Testudo Times Podcast Network. Welcome to the Testudo Times Weekly Podcast. I'm Matt Levine with Lila Bromberg. Today we'll be recapping the first Maryland men's and women's basketball games of the year, previewing their next couple games, and recapping Maryland football's loss to Michigan and their probably lost to Ohio State this weekend. But first, we have a big announcement for the podcast network. Lila, you, you could play the, uh, the video right now. What's up, guys? This is Andrew Terrell here to announce that my cousin Nicholas Big Train Stewart and I will be pairing with Testudo Times and SB Nation for the official Tilted Bench podcast. We're going to be talking college basketball and, of course, Maryland Terrapins basketball. We're here to let you guys know this is the Terps year. And no, I'm not just guessing. Tune in every Thursday and let's get this thing rolling. This is the Electric Factory and welcome to it. Yeah, so we have officially brought on Andrew Terrell and his cousin. Uh, Nick Stewart is going to be joining him for the official Tilted Bench podcast. And we are very excited. As some of you may know, we had Andrew Terrell on the Outtakes podcast earlier this summer. And he killed it, and we've, you know, kept in touch. And we've been talking about this for a little bit, and it is now finally happening. So we're going to have the first episode, I believe, dropping next Thursday. It's going to be something that you're really not going to want to miss. Everyone knows how big of a personality Andrew Terrell is. He sent me a little video of them starting to record the first episode. Uh, and it's it's definitely going to be very entertaining, I'll say that. Yeah, and it, it, it will be entertaining, something that, all of you want to tune into as well as our podcast, but Andrew, he, he's a big personality. He will bring a lot to, to this network. So we'll start by the team that he left last year, the Maryland men's basketball team. They win their first game of the season, 95-71 to 71 over Holy Cross. Overall, I thought it was a solid performance. There were some holes in certain places, but they still scored 95 points, which was the most in a season opener since 2010. And I think, I mean, what was your overall outlook on this game, Lila? So, yeah, you mentioned that. Like, they didn't have the best game. They still scored 95 points. I mean, I was a bit concerned by a few things, but I think that just has to do with, like, you know, first game of season jitters, I think. Um, just the fact that the three-point shooting was only at 18.5% was a little concerning, especially because, you know, guys that you normally see as really um, going off behind the arc, like Aaron Wiggins, didn't really seem like they were in uh, their zone. But I think that's just, you know, nerves first game of the season. Everyone's still getting in the groove. Um, but the fact that they were able to score 95 points while having off three-point shooting, I think, says a lot. Um, you know, I certainly didn't expect Holy Cross to have 71 points, and it seemed like it took them a while to get the defense going. Uh, Turgeon was saying they really didn't have any film on them because it's a new coach, and, uh, you know, the program didn't have a lot of information out. Uh, so that certainly, they said, played a factor. Um, but I think the biggest thing that stood out to me through this in the exhibition game uh, is just that they, they're limiting turnovers and able to run the fast break. They had 22 fast break points in this game while only having eight turnovers. And that is something that we didn't see last year. And yes, uh, you know, it's just the first game of the season and the exhibition game. And, you know, we don't know if that's going to continue. But if that can, I think I said earlier on um, when we had our preview podcast, that was going to be the key this year. 
is the tempo and being able to limit turnovers. And so if this can continue, um, I think it's a really, really good thing for Maryland basketball because, you know, if three-point shooting and the free-throw shooting is going to fall in the place, but the fact that you're really limiting turnovers, taking care of the ball, and able to run the fast break so efficiently uh, is going to really benefit them down the stretch. And what impressed me a lot was that they noticed they were struggling from long range, and they they attempted threes early on, and they weren't going in, but they kind of developed and changed over, over time during the game to go inside and feed Jalen Smith or have Wiggins drive to the basket. Ayala got to the basket. Cowan looked like a completely new player getting to the basket. I think he looked amazing going up driving by himself, getting fouled, and he sunk He's a couple baskets. He's always looked good at that. I feel like he looks better than he did last really? year. Really? Yes. I mean, yes, he would get blocked sometimes last season. I feel like that's always been a step for him. But the thing that impressed me with Cowan is just, like, how he was passing. Yeah, and I think sometimes last year, too, or even years prior, he'd drive and have it stripped away from him. He'd turn it over. That, that is true, yes. So this time he was more he was more careful with the ball. He would get to the hole. And he'd go up strong. And I feel like he got stronger. He's one of the guys that gained a lot of muscle as well. And you might not notice it because he's a smaller guy. But I think that goes a long way. And how they were able to change their game plan. Because this team relies heavily on three-point shooting. And I think they will because of Aaron Wiggins, because of Anthony Cowan, because of Eric Ayala, guys like that. And even Dante Scott as well. Um, But they were able to notice that that wasn't working. So they went inside in the paint. They drove to the basket and they used their height and weight advantages over Holy Cross, which pretty much every player on Maryland was bigger and stronger than the opposing team. So they were able to use that, go inside and get their points that way. And that worked so well, especially for Jalen Smith, who had 16 points and grabbed 11 rebounds in this game. So a big double-double for him to start the year. Yeah, you could really just tell uh, that he, you know, that that added muscle is paying off for him. He just looks more aggressive in the paint. He looks a lot better. Um, And I think what you said about the adjustments, that was another thing we talked about on the podcast. We said if this team is going to make a Final Four run, they need to A, limit turnovers, um, and be able to run the fast break better. And we also said that, you know, they need a Turgeon really needs to step up and make coaching adjustments. And again, this is just the first game. This is clearly not a great opponent. But the fact that they're able to do those things even with the flaws they had, I think is a really positive sign. Because you're always going to have flaws and errors in the first game of the season. But the two things that we said we really needed to see from this season, we saw. Um, and like we said with Anthony Cowan, that was a big thing too. The thing that stands out to me with his game, though, is not even his driving the paint, but if you just look at his unselfishness, right? He took nine shots in 29 minutes. I don't think... You know, they don't, it's hard to kind of go through the stats last year and see like the different shots per game, but you rarely, rarely saw that from him where he's only taking uh, nine shots in one game, you know, especially when he's playing 29 minutes. Um, He had five assists, only two turnovers, um, you know, putting up 12 points last year. I mean, he was usually always a leading scorer. It was either him or Bruno, and he was taking so many shots and so the fact that he's playing for that long but is really passing and there are opportunities where he could have had more assists too but just people were kind of off or things like that um so I think that's a really positive sign to see that he's being more patient to see that you know he has this trust in his teammates to not have to take every shot and I think Cowan in he was working a lot off the ball as well when Ayala would bring up the ball and I like Anthony Cowan in that role when he has the ball or not but when he's not 
the first scorer, he looks to pass first, there's usually a better option that he can pass to, like Jalen Smith, who is in the post, and he could work in the post well. Or, you know, if Cowan drives and then he kicks it out to someone who, sh- who hits a three. Stuff like that where he's not forcing shots, and his field goal percentage was good. It was four of nine. So, I mean, he's he's hitting he's efficient when he shoots but he's not forcing shots that he's going to miss and i think that is crucial he like i think the main thing with him is finding the right option to pass and finding the right option to score whether it's him or someone else that he has to pass to and i think he in the first game at least showed that he can figure out the right option and we saw it in the exhibition we saw it in open practice too and one player who really impressed me in this, though, was Daryl Morsell. You know, he didn't get the nod to start. I still think that I'm correct with our little bet we had. I think it's going to change as they face bigger competition, so I'm not going to say that I have lost the starting lineup bet just yet, especially especially since Turgeon said the day before the game that someone didn't really, like, play the way they, he wanted them to in practice and then wasn't going to start, so that could have been Daryl. We don't know. But he comes off the bench. And the game is, you know, really close. And he comes in and leads them on an 8-0 scoring run. Um, and is just electric both on offense and defense. He plays 23 minutes, shoots uh, 5 for 7. Uh, and he, you know, grabs 15 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, and 3 steals. I thought he looked incredible. And a lot of people are saying that they like him in sort of that sixth-man role. But I think he is one of the better players on this team. I don't know what his role should be. I personally think he should start. I agree. But many people say he should come off the bench, kind of provide that spark as he did in this game. You mentioned 5 of 7, but he also shot 5 of 6 from the free throw line. And last year, Maryland struggled from the line, and he isn't the best shooter. He's a guy that gets into the paint and scores off floaters and layups and stuff like that. He missed one free throw in six attempts. That's really solid in the first game of the year. But the thing that impresses me the most is the spark that he provided off the bench. And we talked about that, like from last year too. And people say, I think Andy Katz named him to the top 11 breakout players of the year. A lot of people call him a glue guy. Yeah, John Boston talked to them on on his uh, podcast the other day. Yeah, so there's a lot of of hype surrounding Marcel, and I think – he he played starter minutes. He didn't start, but he played starter minutes. And he's a big, big, important player for their lineup. Because if someone in the starting line, let's say Morcel doesn't start. If someone in the starting lineup is struggling, put Morcel in there, boom, the game switches just like that, like it did against Holy Cross. It was a very tight game. I think Holy Cross had the lead at the first media timeout. And then Morcel came in and it just shifted. Yeah. And it wasn't just offense. It, he was stealing. He was rebounding everything. And I think... And the four assists, too. Yeah. He was pass. He was literally doing everything. He had a complete stat line. I think he was the player of the game. He had... I think he had 12 points at the half. It was just... It was very impressive to watch from him. Yeah. And, you know, one player... I think Aaron Wiggins... We talked about, like, he was 0 for 6 from 3-point, which is really unlike him. I think that's just first-game jitters, honestly. He's adjusting to a starting role, and I think it's just the first game of the season. I, in my mind, there's no way after, you know, shooting over 41% last year of that continues. But even with that, you saw how 
He was driving in the paint, as we mentioned. You can tell that, you know, he has that added muscle just with dunking and um, his versatility. And one thing that I thought was really impressive with him is him on the defensive end. He had three blocks and three steals, right? Like, that's the same amount of blocks as Jalen. That's the same amount of steals as Daryl. And, I mean, from a guy his size, that's really, really impressive. Also adding in five rebounds, uh, two assists, um, and, you know, like we said, yes, you know, not the best shooting game, but the fact that he can still contribute in so many other ways when he's having an off night is good for his team. Like we said, like you mentioned, when they they noticed that things weren't working for them and did other things, which will really help. Um, but I have to say, we didn't see the press as much in this game, which I was really looking forward to seeing. Well, I don't know. I think the press... Is it just Holy Cross? Yeah, I think that is going to be based on who they're playing, kind of what the score is. Because in basketball, when you're leading by a lot, you don't want to put too much pressure. It's kind of like running up the score in football. It's kind of the same thing. So, I mean, I expected to see at some point against a probably a better opponent, they'll start to do it. But also, it's the in-game adjustments that we might just see it out of nowhere. Just maybe one sequence they do it. Or, or like the zone, I want to see the zone. A half, rather, yeah. So, I, I think that is just based on who they're playing. Okay. I hope they bring out a zone with Saturday because I really was impressed by that in the scrimmage and in the exhibition games. Um, and I think that's something that can really set them apart this year. Um, so that was a little initially disappointing at first. But, yeah, I thought this was a great game. And also, like, last year, like, 95 points, that's a lot. And you also have, you know, four players in double-digit scoring. Um, you have... You know, Aaron Wiggins putting up nine, Dante Scott putting up uh, nine points, Sorrell Smith Jr. putting up eight points. You know, you're having a lot of different people involved. And then, you know, you also have Makai Mitchell with six points and, you know, some other guys sprinkled in there as well. I think the depth was really on full display. And Dante Scott is a guy that I have been really, really impressed with. He only played 18 minutes but shot four for six. He had six rebounds. He had a steal, nine points, and... I mean, the players of Sevis, and we'll get into some funny quotes they said it just about like his physicality and his frame, but this is a guy that I think that his ranking really deceived him. Um, I think he came in as like a four-star, but I mean, this guy this guy looks incredible. Yeah, he looks like a seasoned veteran kind of. Yeah, they say, I think uh, Darren Morsell said like if he saw him just playing on another team, he would think he was a graduate student. Yeah, I mean, you look at him and he looks like he's 35 years old. He looks like he could play in the NBA kind of by his size <laughs> and how old he looks. But he's just a freshman, which is kind of crazy to think about. I mean, I don't know how old he actually is because Ayala and Wiggins were both, they both turned 20 during their freshman seasons. I'm not sure if Dante Scott did five years of high school or not. But um, I think this guy has been, aside from Morsell, because I know what Morsell brings to the table and I'm a big believer in him i think dante scott impressed me the most so far throughout the first scrimmage the open scrimmage the uh exhibition game and the first game of the year i think he's just incredible and this is just his first few games the guy's only been here for a couple months he's only been in class for two months and he's developed i, I don't even know if he's developed or if this is how he's how he came in mm -hmm. so Going throughout the whole season, I think he could be – I don't know how much better he can get, but it's going to be very, very incredible to watch this guy. Just his size. I said it all the time. He
He's 6'7", 235 or 225. And yeah, like he came and built like you didn't have that with yeah. Jalen Smith. Like right. and you have that with all the freshmen where they all come in with like big frames. That's really gonna help, especially right. down the line in Big Ten play. And you can't teach size. So he already had the size. And I I'm most impressed is they're saying he's gonna play the small forward or power forward position, but he can also dribble really well. He could shoot. Yeah, he played really point guard well. in high school a little bit. Right. So he can literally guard anyone on the floor. Obviously, probably not a seven footer. But he can guard the positions one through four, and he can keep up with smaller guys, smaller point guards, because he's so quick for his size. He's so agile. He has amazing handles, dribbling, and his shot is amazing as well. So I've like I literally can't say enough about this guy. Um, but I think he's going to be very fun to watch, and I I potentially think he could start depending on how this season rolls. That's the thing, though. Is like there's just so many guys like. And, that, and so that's deep. that's the biggest tell about this team. It's just so deep. Yeah. Um, and I just want to point out one thing, like in terms of his grit and like his ability to win. Um, you know, he led. Um, you know, uh, Emotep Charter. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Um, he led them to three state, uh, three straight champion state championships, and he was twice named the Player of the Year. Um, he had 20 points in the state championship as a senior. And then let's talk about the guys he's upset, right? He upset Cole Anthony and top seed Oak Hill Academy. Wouldn't you love to see a U- UNC uh, rematch up with with uh, that of Cole Anthony? He also helped uh, upset Montverde Academy as a sophomore. So, like, this is a guy that knows how to win and has upset some pretty good opponents. Like, he doesn't seem like a guy that is phased at all by heavy competition. Well, he's from Philadelphia. He has that grit. Kind yeah, of that's like what everyone has boy. said, that like Philly toughness. Yeah, There's so. been some debate over whether uh, Philly kids or Baltimore kids are tougher <laughs> on the team. And I just have to get into some of the things that players are saying because everyone starts cracking up in press conferences or, you know, whenever we're talking to guys when they talk about Donta. So on Thursday, you have Daryl Morsell say he's a freight train coming downhill, talking about him coming in the paint. And then on Friday after the game, uh, Jalen says, Dante, he's just an animal. He's just a different breed. And Daryl says, Dante's different. He's like a bull. Like, this is definitely a guy that, I mean, and you could tell, like, he's just, his athleticism, his physicality has been really, really impressive. And I think as he finds his groove, like the fact in your first college game, you have nine points and are shooting that well, I think he can only get better from here. Yeah, I just, as I said a couple of seconds ago, that we don't know if he has developed at all since coming here. And I think it's going to be crazy to see how much better he can get because he's already so good as a freshman. Mm-hmm. So I, it's just the size and the skills that he brings. It's so impressive. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I just want to say, uh, Michigan State did lose their first game. Uh, you know, it was obviously against a really good team in, in number two, Kentucky, that is probably going to be number one. But... I mean, and it's the first game of the season, but is there a chance Michigan State isn't as good as people think, or is that just like that Kentucky's good and it's the first game? Like, do, do, do your hopes for Maryland getting first place in the Big Ten change at all? I never asked you whether you thought they were getting first or second. Well, this isn't a Big Ten loss, so, I mean, in the Big Ten standings, they look at their record against Big Ten opponents first. So That's true. Technically, it doesn't hurt them in any way. But I'm just saying in terms of, like, foresight and, like... I think it's just the first game, and, I mean, 
there's so much time to go. I mean, this season starts early November and it ends in early April if you go the whole distance. So this season, it's just a long, long, long season. And I really don't know. Obviously, they played the first game. Kentucky was lights out. They were just so good. And I, I think those later games in the year when Maryland plays Michigan State two times, those are some of the later games. Uh, in the Big Ten schedule for Maryland. So those are going to really determine what both teams will be like come big, the Big Ten tournament, come the NCAA tournament, because later in the year, they're getting ready for the postseason. And both these teams, everyone's saying, every college basketball insider saying it's Michigan State or Maryland at the one or two spot, and then it's everyone else. Yeah. And then it's Rutgers and Northwestern. And Ohio at the State, what was the final say for Ohio State? Because they played and they were down to Cincinnati for a really long time. I didn't think they looked very good in their first game of the season. We're pull, pulling up the score right now. Um, and I guess we'll talk about where uh, Ohio State is definitely going to be Maryland in uh, football later. But, you know, they only won 64 to 56 to Cincinnati who was 0-1 going into that game, and Cincinnati led for a lot of that game. Like, Ohio State just didn't look good. Um, at the end of the first half, they were down 26-19. to Yeah, I mean, again, it's early on yeah, in the year. Yeah, of course it's early, but, it, you know, we have to update things, people on, on, on what's going things, on. These are things to look at, and I, I think the most complete team that played so far, or one of the most complete teams that played so far, is Maryland. They're, they're just deep. Their defense is great. Their offense is great. Yeah, I don't think the defense was great in this first game. They allowed 71 points to a Rhode Island team. But I think that was just adjusting the film and not having film at first. I think the way they blocked, the way they forced turnovers, I think that they really did a very solid job. I don't want to say they're great yet, but they did a great job. And I think they are one of the most complete teams in the country right now. I don't know if Michigan State is that. Obviously, they lost to Kentucky, but we'll we'll have to see how that plays out, I guess, because their schedule is going to be a lot easier. Um, but I think Ohio State plays a really tough uh, non-conference schedule. I think it was them. So um, these are things to, to look at because I really do think that the one and two spot in the Big Ten is just between Michigan State and Maryland. Yeah. And so, you know, we've talked about a little bit the crazy coincidence that uh, the Final Four is back in Atlanta. And, you know, you I saw a lot this week of top basketball analysts saying they see Maryland in the Final Four. Jay Billis, John Rothstein, Andy Katz has said it. It stands out. And, Matt, I don't know if you saw this, but I found a very crazy coincidence. Now, I'm not saying this means anything, but there have been, like, a lot of weird coincidences coming up with the same year that Maryland won the Final Four. So here it is, and I, I believe I told you this, and you said it was crazy. Uh, and I just have to share it. And I know, you know, it's out there, but I just there's so many coincidences around this team. Um, so when I was doing my podcast with Walt Williams, he and we're talking about the Turplana Hawks, he mentions to me that this isn't the first time you've had three players on an NBA team. So I admit, Matt, I went down a bit of a, a research hole, probably was supposed to be studying for an exam instead, but uh, <laughs> basketball was calling. Um, and so... There's only been a few times in NBA history where three Terps have been on run one roster. And one of those years was the 2001-2002 Rockets, which obviously is the year Maryland won the national championship. On that team, you have Walt Williams, Steve Francis, and rookie Terrence Morris. Now, 
that's not what separates it, right? Because there's been some teams with them before. But here is what here's what gets me, right? So Morse was drafted 34th overall and then immediately traded. Who on the turf? Who was a uh, that same situation, Matt. Well, Bruno Fernando was drafted 34th overall by the 76ers, then traded immediately to Atlanta. So. And he is the rookie on the Triple Atlanta Hawks trio. And, where, and the funny thing about this is uh, Terrence Morris was originally drafted by the Hawks. So, like, I'm just saying, like, there's a lot of weird coincidences. There are. There's just, I don't know, just, <laughs> just, just something Something's to think about. Something's brewing in College Park. <laughs> Now, as we get into talking about this Rhode Island game, I think that, like, Rhode Island, initially when I saw the schedule, I was like, eh. But thinking about it more and just looking at it, I think of an off-conference schedule, um, you know, besides game like games like Seton Hall and some matchups they could face in the Orlando Invitational, um, I think that this is one of the better games on the non-conference schedule. Um, you know, Rhode Island didn't have the best record last year, 18 and 15, But they've gotten a lot of um, kind of like recognition going into this season. Um, And it seems like, I mean, I've just heard a lot of good things about them. I don't think they're incredible. They're selected to finish fourth in the conference's preseason poll behind VCU, uh, Davidson, and Dayton. But you do have a lot of talent there, and I think it's interesting. You know, last year was just like the first year for David Cox, and he was able to do that. Um, and, you know, lead them to a winning record. Um, you know, they had a lot of roster turnover last year. They had lost six seniors, and he still led them to, like, an eighth-place finish out of 14 teams. Um, and you had this trio that returns this year of Jeff Downton, uh, Sorrell Langevin, and Fats Russell, uh, who combined for 44.2 points and 16 rebounds per game last season. All three of those guys return. Um, I certainly still see Maryland winning this game, but this is a team, do you think this is a team that, that could give them just like a little bit of trouble? This seems like, you know, obviously much higher competition than Holy Cross. I think that people kind of look at URI and know that they were in the tournament a few times in the past couple of years, but that was with a different coach. That was Dan Hurley, who was a really, really good coach for them. They lost a lot of guys you mentioned, but they're returning now guys from last year. And I think that people are going to say that this is going to give Maryland kind of a hard time, but I don't think it will because on the other side, you have Mark Turgeon in his ninth year who has that experience. He's had so much experience. All these guys that Maryland's returning that people don't really talk about is they, they're returning so much. They really only lost Fernando as their main piece. And they also lost uh, even Bender. He graduated. Andrew Tell graduated and Trace Ramsey transferred. But those three really didn't kind of get into the rotation. It's just Fernando that Maryland lost. So Maryland's also returning the same kind of pieces that URI is returning. And obviously Maryland's the much better team. So I think Maryland handles this game. But again, I think they start out a little bit slow. And probably the Rams will have a lead, maybe the first couple Mm -hmm. media timeouts. And then they'll have another spark or something where it'll just take over. And I think that will be the same kind of thing that we saw against Holy Cross. And, you know, Andy Katz has said this is a team that he thinks will be in contention for a late bid come March. Um, And this is a game that I think a dominant win could really help Maryland's tournament resume. I mean, obviously, way down the line. Um, But this is a game that I think is going to count down the line, whether it's a difference between a two or three seed or or something like that. Um, 
And, you know, I think, you know, we talked about Sorrell Langevin. Um, he's one of their key pieces returning. Um, he averaged 14.7 points and 9.9 rebounds per, per contest. So, Matt, tell me what he was able to do in that first game of the season because he was pretty impressive, right? Yeah, he had 15 rebounds. And I think that obviously Jalen Smith just had 11 for Maryland. But um, Langevin, he's, he's a big forward. So I expect him to – he had 16 points and – 15 rebounds. So he he did play really really well, but that was against an LIU team, which they they're not they're not the Maryland Terrapins. They're not the number 7 team in the country. So right. he is now going to have to go up against Jalen Smith or Ricky Lindo or Makai Mitchell or Dante Scott, guys that are so physical and so much bigger than Remind me of how tall he is cuz he isn't like the tallest guy, right? Yeah, he's only 6 foot 8, but the thing that gets him is his weight kind of like Dante Scott he's 230 pounds so Dante Scott's 6'7 225 they're very similar in height and weight and that is the physical part of him but when he's going up against Jalen Smith who's 6'10 and weighs the same or Ricky Lindo who's also 6'8 but Ricky Lindo's so strong and so athletic or Makai Mitchell who's 6'10 235 Maryland's just much bigger much stronger they will be able to handle uh, Langevin better than LIU did. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't even get that big of a victory over LIU, which I think is a bit concerning for them as well. Obviously, it's the first game of the season. Uh, but what was it? It was only like a 10 point victory or something like that, right? Yeah. They won 76 to 65. So 11 point victory. Um, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how much to, to credit that because I didn't really see much. I didn't. I didn't watch that game. Right. I don't. I don't know what happened, but I, I think Langevin, like he, he had to be the player of the game. Sixteen points, fifteen rebounds. He also had a block and a steal. So, um, he, but he was going up against an LIU team, which is much shorter, much weaker than Maryland is. So this will be a really the first test for him. Um, like going up against a strong team and URI is not going to be favored by anything. Maryland's going to be favored in this game. Maryland, it, it, the theme of this team is they want to be great. Mark Turgeon always says they want to be great. If they want to be great, they have to go into this game and just dominate. Mm-hmm. And like you said, that can help them come March when mm-hmm. they're getting a tournament bid. And Fats Russell, who we said looked good last year as well, he had Played 35 minutes, had 18 points, seven assists, four rebounds, and three steals. So he's someone to watch out for too. He's a smaller guy, 5'10, and that's probably jumping up a little bit. Just how you have Anthony Cowan jumping up a little bit with six feet. Um, so that'll be an interesting matchup between him and Cowan and Ayala as well. Um, you know, we obviously want to have time to get into everything else. We're just so excited about basketball. So let's get into our predictions. Obviously, a lot harder to predict the score for basketball, especially since. Uh, you know, you had that high-scoring game at first, but then you had a lower-scoring exhibition. You really never know, but we're going to do our best to give our predictions. So, Matt, what are you thinking? Um, I think Maryland handles this one. As I said, there really is no way that URI wins this game. They might compete, but Maryland's going to win this game. I actually have them winning set, uh, 92 to 76. I a think a lot of points. A lot of points. They scored 95 despite shooting less than 20% from behind the arc in their first game. There's no way they shoot less than 20% from behind the arc again. So, I think 
that is uh, something that they worked on in practice all week. They're going to go into this Saturday night game. It's 9 p.m. It's late. It's late expecting the Xfinity Center fans, the students, to be very energized for this game. So I think the the first game was a weekday at night, this time a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. This is really the first time Xfinity Center will likely be full. And it was actually pretty full it for was that first game, which full. I was surprised by. But yes. they're having a pajama theme for this game. And like I think all the media should just show up in our pajamas. I think that would be great. It's going to be a hard day after watching a brutal beatdown with Ohio State, you know? Um, my prediction is going to be 80 to 67. Um, I think that, you know, it's like a 13-point game. I think it might be a little closer than people expect. I don't know if you can really expect that high level of scoring they had continuing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm really excited for this game. Uh, another team that was just completely dominant in their first game of the season, even more so, was Maryland women's basketball. They won 119 to 56 over Wagner, and I believe they were up. Uh, they were up 68 to 17 at the half. Yeah, they just completely dominated right away. It's just this team is poised for greatness. This team is going to the Final Four. This team could win a national championship. That's how good they are. And I know I said a lot about earlier just being the first game. Really don't know, but. We know with this team because they've had so many ret- returning players. They they are just so talented. And the, one of the storylines in this game actually was Alex Cowan, a freshman guard for Wagner, Anthony Cowan Jr.'s sister. She scored 25 points against Maryland in the Xfinity Center in her first collegiate game um, in, this, in this contest. So I, that was one of the storylines. Anthony was there, obviously, in the stands watching. So that was a great thing to see. But the Terps just dominated the whole time. They really just it a full game performance. Brenda Fries always said, "Oh, we played for thirty minutes." What she kind of looked at the third quarter as them not really playing a full quarter. They gave up twenty points in the third quarter, I think. So um, they they outscored Wagner by one point in the third quarter, twenty-one to twenty, and that was kind of. What Brenda Free said was the hiccup. They didn't play a full game. They only played 30 minutes. But, I mean, the scoreboard shows that they absolutely just dominated. And Owusu, in her first collegiate game, 18 points, 9 assists, 3 rebounds. She was unbelievable. Kyla Charles also had 18 points, 3 rebounds, 3 assists. Shakira Austin didn't start, played starter minutes, also had 18 points and 11 rebounds. She shot 8 of 11 from the free throw line. So they're doing everything. They're rebounding. They're shooting. Stephanie Jones went perfect from the, uh, from the field. She shot 6 of 6 for 17 points, and she also added 6 rebounds. Mike Sell shot 4 of 6 from 3-point range. She had 14 points. Vujicic had a career high of 15 points. Just overall, just every single player really contributed something, whether it was offense, defense, rebounding, passing, mm-hmm. anything. And it was the second most points Maryland women's basketball has scored in the history of the team, most under Brenda Fries as well. So that says a lot. And they have got a huge matchup coming up uh, with number eight, South Carolina. Uh, on Sunday, it's going to be a whiteout. I think, you know, people got to show up to that game and show their support because those games have been back and forth. Maryland lost to them in 2017, but last year beat them 85-61. to 61. Uh, It's developed as a rivalry uh, in the past, you know, three games that they've played. 
Um, and I think that's going to be a really, really exciting game to watch. You have South Car- Carolina ranked as number eight. And, you know, I like that, that Brenda Freeze is really scheduling some tough competition early on. And I think that's going to be a great, great game. But I, I honestly think that Maryland is going to be able to get like a 15 to 20 point. I mean, maybe like a 15 point win in that. They just look so dominant. They are just unbelievable, and it's just all around. That's why they're so good. It's because they're not just doing one thing, and they're also so deep like the men's team we talk about, but they're not just playing good defense. They're not just playing good offense. They're doing everything. Every side of the ball they excel in, at least in the first game, and this is their first test, obviously. At home, a whiteout game, a lot of fans will come to this game, so I expect Maryland to rally behind their fans and they'll get a huge statement win early on in the year against South Carolina. Yeah and you know the team that is not as fun to talk about right now but I feel like we still have to is uh, Maryland football. They have now fallen to uh, it's not great just you know three wins right now. Um, They've won just one game in Big Ten play um, losing last week uh to Michigan State on I mean to Michigan on homecoming which was just not they look great with the homecoming jerseys but you know not a good game 38 to 7 though the teams did say they saw some improvements and really just came down to a lot of special teams errors but the team is now three and six on the season one and five in conference play and you know I, I said a while back that I thought a bowl game was out of contention before Indiana I think it certainly is now because they would have to win all three of their next three games, which is just not happening. They're facing number three, Ohio State, number three in AP, and now number one in uh, the playoff you know, rankings and preceding. Uh, and tell me about the spread for this game, Matt, because it's interesting. Well, I don't even know if the spread is. It's just it's not fair. It's 43 points. Sean said um, it was a bit too low. <laughs> I think it's a bit. I think it should be honestly higher as well, but. 60 to 7 is the predicted score. Obviously, Ohio State taking that. I don't know. I, I don't know if Maryland can even score against this defense that's headlined by Chase Young. They're just so good. Yeah, especially with Maryland's offensive line. I yeah. and Terrence Davis probably not playing this week. I just that's a bad combination. Chase Young is a potential top five pick. He's people are saying like I've seen projection of him as number one pick. Yeah, it depends who really gets that number one pick. If they need a quarterback or a defensive player, but Chase Young right now, according to Odd Shark, is the number five player for the Heisman or number five highest odds for the Heisman yeah. Trophy, and the only defensive player and on that list. All four of the guys ahead of him are quarterbacks, which tends to happen. The quarterbacks usually win Heisman trophies, but he's aside from being aside from the quarterbacks, he's probably the best player in the country. Yeah, um, he's gonna have he's, I, gonna, he's gonna, gonna have torment, a lot of sacks. He's going to <laughs> torment every single offensive lineman. Every quarterback, whoever plays, this is just going to be an onslaught. And yeah, I don't think it's going to be great. And Maryland still isn't named a quarterback. Like, it's it's just I don't see this being good. Honestly, if I'm Mike Loxley, like if it seemed like Anthony McFarland Jr. was back to himself a little bit last game, but honestly, like if he isn't completely at 100% with his ankle, I'm not risking it by putting him up against a guy like Chase Young. I'm not risking um, his you know health. Well, a lot of there's a lot of question marks if McFarland's going to the NFL after this year or staying because he did battle injuries. He does personally. I don't think he has the best tape from this year. Yeah, he could go much higher. I think if he stays, but 
he's also at that point in his college career where he he could probably make a jump going to the NFL. It, it's something to, that he has to think about. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen, but last year he re- he ran for over 200 yards against Ohio State. They almost Maryland almost beat them in overtime. Obviously, everyone knows about that game. That's not happening this year, though. <laughs> it's it's not. I I don't even know what happened last year. But, and they almost won too. It was just on one play. Yeah, they they should have won that game if Pigram could have made a good throw. But you know, we say that time and time again that he most likely can't make a good throw. So, um, I think this game is a, going to be a completely different story than it was last year. Ohio State is just so much better than they were last year with Dwayne Haskins. Now they have Justin Fields, who is just unbelievable quarterback they have uh Dobbins in the backfield the Mm -hmm. running back literally this whole team could I don't like to compare the collegiate level and NFL but if a team would be able (laughs) to be close to competing with an NFL team it would be Ohio State this year oh yeah like some of the really bad NFL teams this year I think they could take down um I think they could beat your Jets honestly um <laughs> I don't know about that but there there's a, a huge difference between NFL and, and, and NCAA yeah. but uh, still I think Ohio State is the best team in the country they're just so talented and it, it's good that they're probably going to make the college football playoff and Maryland fans Penn State might make it as well Maryland fans should be happy that two Big Ten teams are making it because that represents the conference well. Mm-hmm. Although Penn State has destroyed Maryland uh, yeah. on the Friday Night Lights yeah. game. Ohio State will probably destroy them this weekend, but fans should be a little bit happy that the Big Ten is representing in the most likely representing in the college football playoff. Yeah, and no one expected last year. I mean, the year before that, Maryland lost 62-14 to to Ohio State. They've never won against Ohio State um, you know, Ohio State has always been a really good team. And the game that I think this could look like is the 2016 matchup. Maryland went 6-7 and seven that season, but still managed to lose 62-3 to to Ohio State, who is ranked number three at the time. And that was the same point in the season. And that was at home. Like, let's not forget that this is an away game in a really, like, electrifying stadium. Um, so with that, we'll wrap up with our score predictions. What are you thinking for this game? I honestly have no idea, but I'm going to pick 63-3. to All right, so very similar to that matchup in uh, 2016. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to go with 65-7. to I think they'll have one touchdown on uh, a they'll kick return kick or return something. Yeah, I, yeah, something. I think that's yeah. going to be like the one score is a kick return as from always, Javon Lee. As always. Yeah. All right, well, that's going to be a tough game to watch and cover. I don't know how many people are going to be following our coverage for that. I think a lot of Maryland fans have given up, but we're going to continue to have all your, you know, coverage. One more quick thing to mention with the Maryland field hockey team. Uh, Madison McGuire was named the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year. Bodil Coast was named the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Both of them were named to the Big Ten All-First Team, and Emma DeBerdine, the freshman, was also named to the Big Ten First Team. So a lot of uh, accolades from the regular season. They now go into the Big Ten Tournament this weekend. And then they are the one seed. It's at Penn State. I think they play the winner of Michigan and Penn State. And then if they win that, they go to the Big Ten uh, tournament finals. So be on the coverage. We'll be on the coverage for all of that. And you should stay tuned with all of that because they are one of the most exciting teams on this campus. So stay tuned with all of our coverage. And we will be back next week to recap 
what will probably be a terrible football game for Maryland football against Ohio State. But stay tuned. We'll have all the coverage for men's basketball, women's basketball, football, and field hockey as well. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Testudo Times podcast.